short clip is a video from the 1996 New York City Fashion Week where Major League Soccer, a new league, was unveiling their jerseys for their their, their launch of their first season. You didn't hear his name, but my guest on the, the path this week is, is in that video. His name's Ian Hennessy. He's currently the head coach at Delaware Men's Soccer, the technical director for Delaware FC, and he's also a scout for U.S. Soccer. He had much longer hair then, uh, and he's actually wearing a Dallas Burn jersey, which is, uh, you know, interesting in the sense that he never played for Dallas Burn. He played for the New York New Jersey Metro Stars. He was an original for for that team. That's now the New York Red Bulls. He was a uh, you know familiar with that area. He had played uh, professional soccer after after uh, going to Seton Hall and playing there, and then bouncing around a little bit. He played it back home in in Ireland for the uh, League of Ireland, and he was a graduate student at Columbia, so he was a grad student and a professional soccer player, as he explains in the interview, making uh, making very little money, uh, but trying to make that work, and, and, you know, obviously someone who loved the game and who's continued to be very, very active in the game here in the Philadelphia area and has, has been a big part of the growth that has occurred here over the years as well. So I had a chance to sit down with Ian at the 76ers Fieldhouse in Wilmington recently after a training session. Uh, the, the Philadelphia Union opened their training camp this year at, at that facility, uh, which is beautiful, uh, down in, uh, right outside the city of Wilmington. And so you might hear some basketballs bouncing in the background, but uh, this is my conversation with, uh, with Ian Hennessy. Uh, you're listening to the Path Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rao. I'm the editor of BrotherlyGame.com, and uh, this is my conversation with him. Enjoy. So this is the 25th season yep. at MLS, and you, you know a little bit about the early days of yep. the league. And so I'm kind of curious just to start off, you know, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, your journey to the U.S. and sure. how you ended up in uh, sure. being one of the original people in the, yeah, in, yeah, in, sure. in a new league. So in a nutshell, um, uh, so I, was, I had just been um, sent home from Arsenal. So I was trying to make a uh, grade back home. Played for the Republic of Ireland uh, under-18 team. Um, and wasn't good enough to be a pro, uh, certainly not at that level. And when I came back, I had a friend of mine who'd been released from Liverpool who had made uh, contact with a coach over here, Ed Kelly, who was at Seton Hall. Oh, yeah. And Eddie asked Pat, it was simple as one of those, like I met a guy in a bar who knew you, you coming over, and he said, hey, there's a guy in Cork who just got uh, sent home from Arsenal and knows Pat, who's on his way and committed to Seton Hall. Would you be interested? And sure enough, you know, took the SAT, got in a plane, the best decision I ever made in my life. This wonderful culture, he looked after me. And then played, um, did well in college. And then after college, this would be like 1990 now, Matt, there was the old A-League and the USL leagues, which mm-hmm. were kind of these, you know, fledgling leagues that were starting. So bounced around there for four or five years, um, but also had started my doctorate at Columbia in molecular biology. And then my second year, um, the league started and they said, you want, you want to come in and play? And so I was kind of juggling both things, but loved it. That was 1996 and then realized I, uh, I couldn't do both and, you know, heading to third year. And that's how, that's how it all began, so. 
And and being part of the the, the system, then yep. you, you know you had a couple things going on, right? You were playing, but you obviously were, were pursuing higher education as well. You know, what was it like to you know, kind of hearing about this? You know, obviously the World Cup was here; that was yep. a huge thing. You know, yeah. Uh, but to to sort of see like this this new movement was happening in yeah. the US, where there was going to be a yeah. top flight, it wasn't going to yeah. be so. Yeah, I mean, everything was very like no, cobbled, no, it cobbled was. Together, but right? I, I will say this: but there was always, um, and remember now, this is coming. Uh, like professional soccer at least anyway there was always a lot of soccer people around mm. the NASL was still on everybody's uh, the tip of everybody's tongue and then the 94 World Cup and it was a, a, a booming success over here so there was always that heavy undercurrent of we just have to get we have to build the system the right way mm-hmm. and I give Garber all kinds of credit you know with the model that they had they knew the NSL model at the end didn't work because it was too top heavy with yeah. the big and then so so there was a there's a lot of those talks and the conversations honestly back then in terms of professional soccer they were had probably in the 70s and they were probably had in the 60s everybody knew how it should work and what it should look like not exactly but roughly and that there was an appetite here but now you had, I think there was a real yearning after the NESL that the grassroots game had grown, the youth game had grown, that maybe wasn't there before, and that mm-hmm. people understood the game now. And you had guys, you know, young guys that loved the game, that maybe didn't play at the highest level, that understood the game of soccer. Now we had, you know, coupled that to the media and TV, and, you know, so there was a greater access, there was a greater grassroots movement. So putting it together, really, it was just a question f- of finding the right financiers to come in and uh, and fund it and and to, and to go from there and at the start it was very very messy mm-hmm. um, but look what it's going to now now you have Atlanta with half a billion dollar valuation and uh, Charlotte bought in with 325 million dollars like mm-hmm. you could buy a franchise back then for five to ten million dollars right so it's been it's a wonderful story um, and now it's taken on a whole kind of a life of its own here. and what was it like when you know that first year and being part of the team and and you know knowing that there's this hasn't happened right this is a league that's yeah. new and everything's kind of happening yeah. for the first time it was, it was really like for you as a it was almost like the imposter syndrome <laughs> like i knew a lot of the guys that i was playing without in the mls mm-hmm. so we've been pay, uh, playing in public parks we're playing in the a league in conditions that were not great mm-hmm. and now you're in joint stadium so there was a part like, yeah, we kind of, and then you were thrown in with stars like Donadoni or Carlos Valderrama mm-hmm. or, or the big names. So there was really a feeling like half you were like, great, finally, it's arrived. Mm-hmm. I was like 30, 31 at the time. You're playing with guys that you just saw six months ago on a you know crap facility, and, right. now you're, and now you're in joint stadium and you're you know RFK or whatever. So there was a there was a it was a, it was a mixed, muddled kind of feeling of you know yeah it yeah we're here finally i got what i deserve type thing <laughs> to like what am i doing here so mm-hmm. it really was kind of the wild west and trying to figure things out and i think the management to their credit you know the lamar hunts of the world and they're they're the ones that probably felt the same way like how do you kind of grow this out and make money off this and mm-hmm. so we felt that for sure there's no question yeah i mean you have to start somewhere right yeah. you, there's got to yeah. be a year one for, yep. for everything absolutely and you know, so you had to, you kind of had to start somewhere. There was a lot of uncertainty. As a player, was that was that hard to not knowing like what was going to happen, or was it kind of one of those things where, well, I'll just go back to what we were doing before the start of anything? No, I wanted to. Part of me, honestly, Matt, was I wanted to pay my dues as well. Like you, you kind of want to put on a good product. You want to do the best. I knew it was short term for me. I'm at Columbia. Mm-hmm. You know, I I knew where that path was going. Um, but you just you just kind of wanted to help it along here. Maybe the level wasn't the best, um, certainly at the time here. Certainly from us. I mean, we had guys who were, like I said, um, running from the lab 
to a giant stadium and then you have Roberto Donadoni who's just coming back from the European Championship mm. so you, you don't want to you just you don't want to fuck it up you know you yeah. just want to do the bet knowing that it's a short term uh, lease and then away you go so we were, we were excited to be part of that but there was also a feeling that if, if you ever got it right because there were some good crowds mm-hmm. that you know and, and there was a soccer specific stadium not built Columbus had one and so there was this movement that maybe you could push the needle a little bit here but no it was a short term lease for us and in, in terms of you know, Fashion Week New York, uh, the video that was put out there, of course. 100%. Yeah, your hair was a little longer then. What, what was it like to sort of be, uh, just be a part of this whole, the, the, sort of the, the it's very, you know, it's, 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 it's dated now, it's the 90s, but to, to have been part of, you know, an event like that where, you know, this is the first MLS season and here are some of our players and we're going yeah. to show it was off awesome. their uniforms. It was <laughs> awesome. You really, you know, it was, again, the, the change was so quick and so sudden that all of a sudden you're on TV, you're in these stadiums, there's a great buzz about it. So from a, you know, now it's, you look back with a little bit of wisdom as an older person myself now, just turned 50, but there was, um, there was an excitement about that. Like, oh my God, it's great. Um, it seems like a lot of players I talk to, coaching's not something that, that, that's on their mind at the time. Was there, was there a thought at that point that, you know, hey, I'm going to make a career of soccer in the U.S. and I'm going to be be staying in the States yeah. and stick around the yeah. general area yeah. as you have. Uh, yeah, um, I was know, madly in love, <laughs> so I wasn't going anywhere. I married a wonderful woman, um, Danielle, and so I wasn't going anywhere. Um, so that was a huge part of it. I'm at Columbia. Uh, you know, I, I, went, I went there to kind of see what, you know, the Nobel laureates, we had teachers who were Nobel laureates to see what you see intellectually. I wanted to just be around that, like, how do you view the world? How do you view science? And just to be exposed to that kind of thinking here. But really, my passion was always the game. Um, as a player, I was always kind of the coach on the, on the field. I was, that's my kind of, you know, so, so yeah, there was that part of it. Even though it wasn't front and center, to be honest with you, there was always that feeling that, like, you know, for me at least anyway, and certainly for others, that this is going to open up um, avenues down the road here uh, at the MLS level, at the A-League level, at the youth level. And now the opportunities are unbelievable. Like my assistant, John Shear, mm-hmm. who's now the head of talent idea here at the Union, what he is open to in terms of opportunity is incredible. It's unparalleled here in terms of, of his future, where he's going to be in 10 years. So, so sure, there was a sense that finally we'd kind of been we've been structured the right way and there was a pathway put it that way yeah. there was a pathway into coaching so that was yeah that was that was front and center for a lot of people for sure and in terms of you know other players you played with uh, is there is there a sort of uh, is there a special bond you have with uh, these guys because you were the first and you were kind of part of this yeah almost in the trenches a little bit together yeah with no 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 you, we do run into them yeah I was just talking to the staff here today they were talking about the facilities and stuff and so there is that we have a laugh like can you believe you know those kind of conversations can you mm-hmm. remember when that was so there is there is that sense of uh, yeah you started it off obviously you know it's not on you you didn't build it but you were part of the start of it and there's out you know i would say i answered this with there's a sense of satisfaction now mm-hmm. knowing that you didn't fuck it up that bad <laughs> <laughs> so there was something even though it may you may had a, a point one percent to do with it it's nice to be part of that it's nice to have the game grow the way it's grown and to have young kids who are wearing mls jerseys and and to have young kids from like delaware to mark mckenzie's and Anthony fontana's mm-hmm. at the local clubs here so there's a yeah there's a real kind of private satisfaction and and amongst us for sure a lot of us are still involved in the game Tab Ramos is coaching the Dynamo Krista Silva is one of the, the chief scouts for uh, 
for for U.S. soccer. So yeah, it, there's a yeah, there is that. that you know, there's a one of the things that you know I think when I'm, I'm thinking about this, obviously coming in the 25th season, is that you know there's a through line, right? For mm. Now for this will be the 25th season. You go back, you know, in your your pre MLS playing days, there's like this league and that league and this league folded, and it, there's not. It's it's very it's very rocky Correct. in terms of the, yep. the history and the and the fragmentation. So I remember you know being a being a kid in high school and seeing the logos for the first time, yeah. and tracing them in my notebook yeah. and and thinking about like, wow, this is so exciting. This is yeah. a new thing. It's yeah. never. You know, I was yeah. mad that we Philly didn't yeah. have a team, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But there was something that was really cool about it. And it was like, I remember even then thinking about, you know, this is year one. There's no history, right? Yeah. Now we have this history. I'm yeah. here talking to you about yeah. year one, yeah. you know, something that yeah. was several years yeah. ago. Um, you know, to me, that like I can see that there is that satisfaction that we have. We have a history yeah. to build on. Absolutely. But it, I, it seems to me it's also really important to remember that history and to sort of sure. to look back and say yeah. like hey you know things were really different then but you had to start somewhere yeah. and you had to build those build have those building blocks to yeah. get the league to where it is now and where it will hopefully yeah. go in the next 25 yeah. years and it's nice look at and, and really the league now belongs to guys like you hmm. more you we just you don't realize sometimes Matt until you build something that you there's that much interest like you kind of think there is and mm. you know you know and then you stand now there's a big star here like oh my god what's he doing here and <laughs> and now you have these kids looking for autographs wearing jerseys tracing you know logos and they you know they love this team or that player so having that is uh it was all that's the that, I, I guess that's the part that i give credit to the guys you know who did patch it together they really lamar hunt and all these they tapped into something that they probably saw at their level one there was interest two was certainly a business model but uh I think between 12 and 24, soccer is one of the most popular sports behind the NFL and growing now. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of the offshoot of that people like yourself who now latch onto it and make it your own, it's just that's that's the real kind of beauty of it all is that you have a home, you have a place to go, you got a community, you got mm-hmm. you have the mecca, right? For us, it's the challenges, the, the, the stadium. So mm-hmm. all of that stuff is. It's like there's a wow factor. There's a, it's an awe factor for us as well to see places like this going up in the union, and it's great. So yeah, absolutely, it's uh, it's 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 rewarding intellectually, egotistically. <laughs> it's rewarding to know you know what that's that's a neat story. So for you, your your kid in Cork, what 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 was it about the game that that, that drew you to it? I mean, it's not the undisputed number one sport in in the Republic of Ireland. So how did you? How did you kind of get into the game? Yeah, I was one of your classic street rats. You're mm-hmm. in the streets, small streets, banging the ball against the wall. Um, the pathway for us was always, for any young uh, player from Cork or Wales or probably even Scotland, was to go to England to make mm-hmm. the grade. And you had the heroes that would come back, you know, that played in what was our domestic league, the League of Ireland at the time. So and my father played professionally mm-hmm. so really I didn't have a choice I guess at the end of the day but all of our street we were all street rats and that was our you know you're talking about the um, I wouldn't say poverty but it's your working class uh, boxed row houses terrace houses next to each other small houses you're not staying in the house mm-hmm. there's no video there's no TV or there is a TV but it's two channels so you're very much into the street and and then we had uh, our, our match of the day. So you'd go watch your heroes in England. That was the big TV program. You go outside and you, you pretend to, to try and beat Kevin Keegan or whoever it was. So that that's kind of uh, your, your socioeconomic, cultural uh, pathway that was well, well beaten and well forged for any young kid in Ireland or England 
that was if you play that sport that's you had no choice that was the pathway mm. and it was very defined which is going back to my original point which now for these kids coming through it's very defined yeah here. whereas back in the early 90s or 80s didn't really have a pathway to college maybe mm -hmm. and then what who knows you know yeah. so now you're getting snapped up earlier you're getting signed you have these facilities it's incredible it's incredible and so really the idea of the U.S. was not really in the picture until no. the, until you had the disappointing the disappointment of not yep. of not making it ours. Yeah, and maybe disappointment, is, you know, in retrospect, is maybe the the luck of not making it because mm. it would have been that journeyman to play it maybe a few years and then go down to the lower leagues, not get mm. your education, which is incredible. The system here, Matt, for, for higher education, you know, married with all college sports, is still the envy of the world, and I'm so happy that I, uh, it was a blessing for me in, in that regard. So, so yeah, so that's uh, yeah, happy to meet, happy to have failed, sweet <laughs> failure, I would say. And you know, do do you kind of feel a little bit of a connection to that kid and you know playing in the streets when you're with the work you're doing here in Wilmington and yep. in Delaware? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the opportunity for 100 percent is you see yourself in those kids, right? When you come from that background and you've, you've traveled a path in life, whatever that is, for me it's soccer and education, you absolutely want to open those doors and that's why I work so closely here with the, the, uh, the youth community in, uh, in Delaware because you, you do want to help those kids along and open doors and maybe correct some of the kids and, and put them back in that pathway. But building that path would be part of that now, just like the earlier days, is, brings great joy and great satisfaction. You know, a lot, a lot has been said, and we've talked about this too. Just sort of the, the changing landscape of, of MLS, in particular in USL, and where the college game fits in. And you know, we have a proposal to, to, to sort of uh, more better orient the college season to the way, to the demands of of school and, and and playing. You know, in terms of where you're at now and, and your program, and because you're kind of involved in so many different ways with with youth and with scouting and with coaching uh, undergraduates uh, and occasionally some graduate students sure, as well sure. um, you know where do you kind of see see that all fitting in now and fitting in together in a game in a, in yep. a, in a landscape that's changed yep. pretty rapidly in yep. 25 years so really good question because I you, people talk about the pathway and you know it's linear it's not it's a three-dimensional uh, pathway so mm -hmm. when I say that I mean there are all avenues that lead north towards professional sports or college or whatever but I, I think it's almost a comfort for guys my age, at least anyway, to be in the positions we're in. You'd be foolish, one, not to you know, provide the university, certainly as a beacon, a lighthouse for the educational part and the college part, but we have to get involved with the youth to kind of do our duty and to give back to the game, to create pathways for us. So I, ne I never look at this in a linear fashion. I do believe in the, in the, the three-dimensional of it. And then opening your book and your network and, and trying to, um, one, get people to help you, but two, also to guide guys along those pathways to build out your network now, mm -hmm. to build what we have here and, and, and make it bigger and better because there's lots more room. But so for me, it's never been a, a linear path. It's always been and continues to be and will become even more complex at the business level, the youth level, the college level, the pro level, you have to put all of those kind of hats on. I was talking to Pat earlier about, it used to be back in the old days, you know, the, you had the, the business owners and they would like keep the soccer guys away from the business owners because mm -hmm. they were not very, but those days, those days are gone, it's sophisticated now and then. The coaches like Jim and Pat, and they, there's a, a real sophistication using the education that they have here 
to look at the game not just as the, the coach but there's so many different avenues and areas that you can build and kind of you know, put some roots in for the next crop of, of kids and, and coaches to come through. You know, one of the things, like the common themes I see when I read old, like hit, like we're talking like before our time history of soccer in the U.S. is the constant battles, the fighting, the, the soccer wars, as it, as it is sometimes called. It, it seems like when I when I look at the work that you're doing here, because you're kind of doing a lot of different things, uh, that that that's sort of. Uh, uh, that approach is not that that like well I have this I'm going to hang on to this little piece mm -hmm. of the soccer world yeah. that I have yeah. it seems like you're really um, you're really interested in like the idea that everybody Correct. everybody sort of benefits yeah. like you, everybody benefits when you get a player like Anthony yeah. into the first team yeah. uh, for the union. Correct. Everybody benefits when the Sixers open a facility that Correct. has a soccer field here. Correct. Right. This benefits yeah. the whole community um, you know and it seems like because of a lot of these things that are happening, like Del the, Del the game in Delaware is, is, is benefiting, yeah. and I feel like we're talking about soccer in Delaware yeah. more than, than we would have yep. even 10 years ago. Yep. Um, is that something you're kind of seeing where there's 100%, a lot happening here yeah. just in yeah. this specific Absolutely. Why, the, why be a silo, area? right? Yeah. The, the, the power is the strengths and the power of relationships. Mm -hmm. And when you present a case and understand and listen to what other people's concerns are, it's amazing, Matt, when you, when you sit down and talk to these guys. They, they all agree in principle on this. So whatever it's the youth or the club or the pros or whatever, they all agree in principle, but sometimes they don't want to let go. And I think, look, I liken it to kind of raising a child here. You, you, you don't want to tell them how it works here, but you want to present the case and just say, listen, there's room for everybody inside here. And we're non-threatening and I, I don't need the credit. I really don't. You, know, you go through, here's the young guys and we push them on here. There really is, um, when you have those conversations, the silos and the walls break down really quickly here. Mm. And now you get the business guys, the money guys to come in and maybe build facilities off the back of conversations, tying in the network that we have now with the college, with Philadelphia Union, with the youth stuff. It re it, yeah, it's a battle, don't get me wrong, I'm not, and I'm not looking for pats on the back here, but it's amazing when good people with good ideas sit down and break bread, I think great work can come out of it, and this is a, certainly an example of that. You know, when you see the, you know, the fans you have that support your program, when you, you go to the Kirkwood Soccer mm -hmm. Complex and you see some of the the adult leagues that are happening there and just you know the the, the diversity that exists on those yep. those pitches as well um i think that seems to be a, a, a major feature of delaware soccer sure. is that diversity yep. and is that where you're kind of uh it, it's hard to kind of pinpoint you know well this is what a this is what delaware soccer is it's, yeah. it's very it seems very diverse and it is uh, very interconnected and there's a there seems to be a lot of pride in hey we're doing this in delaware yeah and, yeah we're part of philly but we're doing it yeah. here here in the, no in doubt. The first and state. Yeah. again it's finding the right people right so for you talk about the, the latino community at kirkwood diego ruiz is a ud grad great in the community they trust him he does wonderful work with him and his brothers the flanagan brothers who are young kids who um, didn't maybe have a pathway in coaching and now working at Kirkwood. You have Steve Cavalier who was at UD now running mm. this facility here. So again, it's, it's about um, putting trust in them, mentoring these guys, opening all doors, right? And we have the greatest vehicle in the world to do that, the game mm. of soccer, yeah. right? That doesn't need any language, doesn't care yeah. what your creed, background, gender, race, you know, uh, sexual biases, nobody cares. It just, and so again, 
you know, tying those together sometimes, some, that, that, that's all you have to do. And then let them run, get out of their way, yeah. and let them build and, and give them all the credit in the world because, listen, I'm going to be gone in 10 years or 15 years, and that, but you want to leave that behind them, that kind of legacy behind here, and that you hope in, t- in time that they'll build and do the same thing and so on and so forth. And then we have a soccer culture yeah. in the States, which we talk about all the time, that maybe we do in this pocket or that pocket, but do we really have a truly a soccer culture I think I think it's a work in progress yeah you know even like you look at Bear Fight and the work they're doing yeah. and, uh, and the new MPSL team coming out yeah. with First State FC and so it just seems like there's a lot of things that are, are happening here that like, again it's part of it's part of the greater Philadelphia area but it also feels uniquely Delaware a little yeah. bit too where it's yeah. it, you know it's giving an identity to the community and I'm, the, I'm so happy that you noticed that that it's great <laughs> that we, yeah we have those again african-american latino white it's it is and that's that's by design mm-hmm. right and to give them those opportunities and they're so thankful these kids are so thankful and the parents are so thankful and but the other question matt is like why not mm-hmm. why would you not do that yeah why would you not step outside you know, for me, it's it's been tough. I got to be honest with you. And the family and the kids, and and uh, they've been. I got a great support network, but I got I got my short time. I really have a short time. You got a short time in life mm-hmm. to make a dent in whether it's raising your kids or or. So why would you not do that? Is my, is my question because there's there's so much promise and so much to come out of it. And I also think that you um, there's a need for that as well. There really is a, a need, and yeah. So why not do it? So so when you. I guess back to the to, to wrap it up, but back to the, the early days of MLS. What um, you know? Are there any like specific uh, things that stood out stood out in your memory about the first season, or just uh, things that kind of have stuck with you all these years? I remember. Years uh, so there's so many stories, but I do remember one we had uh, at the tail end of the season. We were like broke, and I had to write to Sunil, who was a professor at Columbia. At the time, I said, Sunil, I, I need, I'm a graduate student on a paltry stipend. Uh, I didn't get the paycheck, you know, this month. I, 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 I need you to do And it was, you know, minuscule amounts here, but it wasn't the glorified, monolithic, wonderful, untouchable. I, it, it, part of me, it's, it, it's still here today, right? Do you know? Mm-hmm. But that, those stories like that were like you were, you were a conversation away from this league folding. Mm-hmm. You were one person stepping away from this league folding. And, and again, I give great credit to, Gar- to um, the guys like Lamar Hunt and, and the league and Garb and all the administration at the time of just keeping it together because it really was. And you felt that you're a whisper away from, <laughs> you're going to wrap this up again. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, which, which at 31, you're, you're kind of on that. You're, you're, yeah, you're thinking 100%. about your own career yeah, is like on yeah. a whisper, no, but the whole league you can do. You do, exactly you right, know, exactly. Can... And these kids like, please don't do all this. And, you know, there, there was, you, you did wonder at times. Um, I remember a story Greg Andrulis was telling when, uh, true story. So he was coaching in the MLS and New England were getting all of the picks and they had a meeting and I forget who came, maybe it was Garber, but um, I forget it was before Garber came in and basically said, uh, Kraft is going to pull out mm. until New England starts to have success. Does anybody have any issues with it? Because if you do, we're done. Mm. And everybody, Bob Bradley was in that room, he'll tell you that story and no problem, <laughs> give yeah. him it all. So yeah. that kind of, uh, that, the fragility there was just really was spider web thin. And uh, yeah, for sure, we felt it. 
So since you were able to make a career out of soccer, how do, how do you use that other side of your your brain that, uh, you know, the Columbia education, how have you kind of... Uh, yeah, you know, worked, the t- it's amazing, you know, I know the tools <laughs> of, of Racing Nation, the reasoning are the same. Uh, and I think in, I was always a biology guy, I was wanted, you know, fascinated with life and the orchestration of, of uh, just nature. Um, but the, the tools of, of, uh, that you use are the same. Don't mm. kid yourself. There's no, you know, how do you frame something? How do you search for something? You know, how do you logically set it up? You know, how do you give it energy? Where do you give it energy? So there really is no difference for me. It's, it's just a different, it's two sides of the same coin for me here. Um, but uh, just as engaging, just as rewarding, just as taxing, you know, one could argue in, in many respects here, building something and giving joy to people is more meaningful than the work I was doing you know as a uh, at the lab and it's it's a longer but there's no yeah there's no there's no great difference here it's it's a challenge you Mm -hmm. meet the challenge you want to get the challenge you want to fail you want to get your hands dirty in it and you want to make sense of it you want to get other people in with you so they can take the challenge on and, and, and push on so that was my conversation with Ian Hennessy you've been listening to The Path Again, I'm your host, Matt Routh, the editor of BrotherlyGame.com. Be sure to check out the, the website for all sorts of coverage of the Philadelphia Union and other soccer in the, the greater Philadelphia area. If you have an idea for a future podcast person that you think would be good for me to talk to about their path in the beautiful game, a coach, a player, a fan, or, or someone who's involved in soccer in one way or another, be sure to drop me a line at matthew.r.ralph at gmail.com or you can check me out on Twitter at mattralph underscore tbg. Uh, be sure again to check out brotherlygame.com for all our coverage there. Thanks again for listening.